If you have your Bible, if you'll turn with me to Mark chapter 6, maybe that's on a phone, maybe that's a physical Bible, there's all sorts of uh, ways to read God's Word today. Uh, We're going to be in Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. And now many saw them going, and they recognized them, and they hurried there on foot uh, from all the towns, and they arrived ahead of them. And as he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they can go into the surrounding country and villages and and buy something for themselves to eat. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. And then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And all ate and were filled. And they took up the twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish and those who had eaten the loaves numbered 5,000 men. Uh, That's one of my favorite stories, and uh, it's one that uh, perhaps you've you've encountered if you've been around churches. That's one of the stories you might have heard, and there's good reason. There's only, perhaps we could say, two miracles that occur in all four Gospels, the resurrection and the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, so that gives us a little note before we get into today's to that text that this is a story that has meant a lot to the church, that has meant a lot to the faithful over the years. And I think it means a lot to us now in our current moment. Uh, I can't help but recognize that we live in some challenging times, right? 2020 has been rough. Uh, there's no way to sugarcoat the fact that it has not been an easy year for many people. And so obviously the, the headline at the top is the health crisis of, of people who we've lost, people who have, have lingering health problems. Uh, even, even when you are returned back to kind of quote-unquote normal, uh, to spend a month or so of struggling to survive, uh, that's, that's a rough year, uh, and that's a heavy year. Uh, but it's also been a rough year economically, right? Uh, the first quarter of the year, the gross domestic uh, product, the GDP, dropped by 5%, and that felt bad. Uh, And then that was followed up by the second quarter that dropped nearly 33%. And when you look at it on a graph, it looks uh, almost comically bad. Um, But that's yet the reality that we live in, and that's, we don't feel it on a national scale. Uh, You probably feel it in your own personal experience. And so we, we are all struggling in different ways, right? Schools are figuring out how do we have a budget, how do we get protection supplies, how do we Uh, buy new technology? How do we make sure kids have enough technology to learn? Um, 
you know, small businesses and restaurants, you know, restaurants trying to figure out how do we help healthily or safely uh, serve people, uh, and people making health decisions for themselves saying, you know, I just, I don't feel safe sitting indoors right now. And so um, that presents economic struggles. Uh, churches everywhere has to, to struggle with when you don't have people in person in the same way, uh, it's a natural, whether that's right or wrong, it's just something that happens that giving tends to go down. And so uh, everybody's struggling. And so in this season, maybe we can hear afresh these words from the Gospel of Mark, uh, that in the midst of scarcity, God offers us a way of living uh, that, that moves us into a new world and moves us into a, a time of plenty. So I want to give you the context of, of what's going on here in Mark. Uh, it's, it's not been a good season where the disciples are in Mark. Um, John the Baptist has just been executed, been kind of murdered by the state uh, for having crowds and having a prophetic platform. And all these people are following him and it gets attention, not always the good kind of attention. And, and we'll see that story repeated again with Jesus later in the gospel. Uh, but John is, is executed, and word of that gets to Jesus and his disciples. Uh, Jesus has also sent his disciples out, so they've kind of gone off in groups to go minister on their own, and they, they're coming back to report on that. Uh, and so they're all kind of feeling spread thin, right? We've lost people on the front lines of, like, man, John's ministry, what do we do now that he's gone? And, and the disciples are out on their own, and, and Jesus, presumably when they're out on their own, He's probably feeling like he misses some of his friends. Maybe you miss some of your friends right now. Uh, and it's in the midst of all of this context that Mark writes, Jesus told the disciples, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. And maybe you can know what that need for a retreat is is, right? That they just needed a break. They needed a place to go away, to kind of recharge. It says they, they couldn't even eat. Like, everyday life is, is just chaotic for them. So like, hey, let's, let's get away. Uh, let's go rest for a while. And so they try to get away, but they can't ever quite get away. And, and maybe we can kind of see glimpses of this in our own world today where, um, you know, the the consequences of fame and celebrity status is that you are always being watched. Maybe it's kind of paparazzi that's kind of dedicated to following you, uh, or it's just the everyday person with a cell phone who can take a picture or take a video at any moment. So you can never have leisure to eat, like in the story, that, you know, what celebrity can have a meal and not think about whatever amount I put as my tip on this receipt could be taken a picture of, they could share this online, you know, what you wear, everywhere you go, um, you know, if you're, you're seated and you've got a mask on, you take the mask off for one moment in today's health crisis, and they take a picture of you and then they share that online, like, you're always watched. And they're experiencing the first century version of that, that they just can't go anywhere without crowds. And so they've gone away, and Mark very quickly tells us they're not really going to get away. Mark writes, Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. Right? Like, you're trying to get away. You don't even beat them to the location. Somehow they already know where you're going. Uh, and, I, and I was thinking, you know, last week I mentioned watching the, uh, the Last Dance, the documentary on Michael Jordan, 
And they're talking about part of the exhaustion that led to some retirements. Uh, there's multiple factors, but some of that is when you see the kind of huddled masses wanting autographs, wanting to talk to you, wanting to see you, you get all of these questions about what you're going to do in the future. Uh, you, you finish a game, you're getting interrogated, crowds, you get out the door, you get on the bus, and then when you get to the hotel, there's crowds waiting for you there too, that you just can't get away. And so Jesus and the disciples, they're, they're trying to rest for a moment, but the crowds beat them to a deserted place, to a place that is meant to be empty and yet it is filled. And the world has a different kind of reaction than Jesus does in this story. Uh, you could have all sorts of reactions, right? You could understand when someone would come into the situation from a place uh, of frustration and anger, of not liking the crowds, of being, uh, you know, angry and, and upset with the crowds. You can understand people being apathetic to the crowd's desires and needs, and they just don't care. Uh, and you can feel some level of empathy where you're like, well, I can, I can understand them. I can appreciate why they want to be here, but not really called to action, not, not ready to do anything about it. But Jesus is different, and Jesus invites us to be different. Mark writes, as Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And I think we shouldn't miss the motivation here, right? We're going to get to all the things that happen in the story, but, but Jesus sees people, and he has compassion. And you can basically just track through the Gospels and just put those words into every one of those stories, right? That he sees the, 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 the blind beggar at the gate, and he sees with compassion, Right? He sees the leper who, who can't be near people, and he sees them with compassion. And that compassion is not the empathy that's just, I can understand how they feel, or I feel bad for them, but the compassion that leads to action. Right? That I feel about it in such a way that I can't help but be moved. I've got to do something about this situation. And I think too often we feel sympathy for someone, but we don't feel that compassion that leads us to act. But Jesus sees them as, as like sheep without a shepherd, and he, he steps in, and he starts teaching, and he starts changing the situation for the crowds. And so I know many people uh, would like to kind of stop short in their Christian faith, where you would rather just be identified with Christ. Maybe I, some people like the title Christian. Some people uh, dislike how the negative connotations that society has given to that term, but sometimes we'd rather just be associated with Jesus than actually to follow Jesus and to live like Jesus. And so Mark continues for us. When it grew late, Jesus' disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, and the hour's very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. Uh, I love that the disciples are trying to uh, pass off the responsibility here. They're like, Jesus, where are we going with this? It's getting kind of late. What's the plan? Let me propose something. It's getting late. Let's just send them away. And I, I love that time reference because um, you could probably know just like I do, and I just kind of submit this to you. You know, what's the difference in a wedding reception time at 2 p.m. or 6 p.m.? Why does the time of day matter? 
there's a whole lot of assumptions that go into what's going to have to happen at certain times of the day. It's getting late. People are hungry. If I show up to the 6 p.m. reception, I'm wondering what great feast might I have. Uh, and the 2 o'clock one, maybe you're feeling like there's probably not going to be the feast here. And, and I know that from experience because uh, as someone who got married out of college with my wife and I not having uh, loads of money as you've just in inherited your kind of college student debt, uh, but you're getting married and societal expectations about throwing a wedding, um, you know, you do what you can. And the disciples are saying, what can we do, right? What are we supposed to do in this situation? It's getting late. Send them away. Let them feed themselves. And Jesus doesn't give them the easy way out. Uh, Jesus gives them a, a, a mission, instead of an out in this story. I love how simply Mark writes this. Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. <laughs> That's not an explanation I'm sure that the disciples fully understand. Uh, like, okay, what on earth do you want me to do? Do you want me to go get, the, uh, uh, get a bunch of money? How am I supposed to pay for this? You know, they, they're filled with tons of logistical questions to this simple mission of Jesus. You give them something to eat. And the disciples, I think, are boxed in by the way that they see the world and their expectations. They are not seeing it from Jesus' frame of mind, which is like every gospel story, right? Uh, it's the continued disciples' story in the Gospel of Mark is Jesus gives them a command or a statement, and they don't know how to live it out the way that Jesus can. And so uh, the disciples respond to Jesus, are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Somebody's doing the math, right? Uh, they're looking at the crowd size. Like, how, how much is this bill going to be? Right? And uh, a, a denarius would be about a day's wage of a worker. And so they're saying, like, you know, 200 days of work, maybe that's what it's going to take to feed this crowd. Uh, how are we going to do that? And they are probably fully understandable for this question, right? I don't think anybody listening, you know, we sometimes get desensitized to these stories because we, if you've heard it before, you kind of hear how it ends. But like the disciples are fully understandable for raising this question. Um, how, do we, how do we provide for all these people? How do we feed them? And so Jesus invites them to recheck the inventory. And the disciples are sure they don't have enough. And Jesus says, look again. And Jesus sees from a different reality. Here's what Mark says. And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. And he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in the groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. Now, have you ever been planning an event, and maybe that's that wedding reception like I was saying earlier. Have you ever planned an event and you're like, there's no way this is going to get what we need out of it. Like, this is never going to succeed, right? I mean, Jesus said, how many, like, what's your inventory? And they're like, five loaves of bread and two fish. And I'm looking at 5,000 men in the out in this wilderness space. And Jesus says, hey, all right, go get them to sit down. It's like, you've got your, like, buffet lines set up, right? You got your, your, your seating arranged. 
And the disciples don't know what's happening yet, right? They're just following orders here. Uh, but maybe you, you understand that anxiety that they might be feeling when they are trying to fill out these orders and they don't know that it's going to work. I think the, the pinnacle of that kind of feeling for me, uh, of watching um, documentaries and stuff online in the last year, uh, there was a documentary that came out on Netflix about the Fire Festival, uh, just called Fire. And it was about this, uh, you know, a spoiler of a CEO who's going to be charged with fraud because he couldn't uh, fulfill what he was setting out to do. Um, but they had the idea, let's throw a music festival on a private island in the Bahamas. Never mind the logistics of, do you have electricity to run stage lighting or sound? And do you have, you don't have restrooms even? Or how are you going to make any of this work? And throughout the course of this planning, things just fall apart over and over again. And in the documentary, you can see the team behind this all looking like, I, there's no way we're going to have enough housing. How is this going to work? And every time the CEO would respond to them, we're not a problem-focused group. We're a solutions-oriented organization. We have to keep a positive attitude. All the while, the workers are looking like, you know, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but like, okay, I know we've got 300 beds and there's 1,000 people coming tomorrow or something. You know, it's like the math doesn't add up. Why is nobody hearing me that the math doesn't add up? And the difference between that falling apart and the disciples and Jesus is it matters who you follow. It matters who, uh, whose kingdom you are living after, who can bring about God's kingdom on earth. And so the disciples are left in this ambiguous spot thinking, what on earth is happening here? And yet somehow... It's not only going to be enough, it's going to be leftovers in this meal. Mark writes, Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, and he blessed and broke the loaves, and he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and all ate and were filled. That's not very many words there, that, that small verse 42, but the power of and all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish, and those who had eaten the loaves numbered 5,000 men. Now, you might have read that like, like I did, and you go, wait, there's no explanation ever given here. How did it go from five loaves of bread and two fish, and suddenly everyone has been filled, and yet there's baskets of leftovers? The Gospels often seem to not care at all about describing anything about these miracles. And I think that's probably from our vantage point what we would want to know. Like, what do I want to know about this story? What happened there? It's like if you're watching the video form of this, and the, the, the director has given you this scene where you know the problem and the tension, and then there's a cut scene and you see that everyone's already finished their meal and there's leftover. And you're like, you, you left out something that I really wish I could have seen here. And there's a mystery of how did it go from not enough to being plenty and more than enough. And there's two major lines of possible answers. One is the supernatural answer. In some way, as he breaks bread or something, it keeps regenerating, there's more bread that shows up like... There's the supernatural answer of there's no way this can happen. Suddenly there's, there's food. 
Uh, and there's not much more explanation other than, than the power of God. The only other possible answer is, is a natural kind of answer, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's not miraculous uh, to go from nothing to plenty. But perhaps one angle of, of how to fill in the gaps of the story is the disciples are being tasked with this almost comical act. How much bread you got in your basket, Peter? You know, And I'm going around like, I got to make this get through everybody. And then the person who sees the situation looks with compassion and goes, you know, I do have that hidden loaf of bread in my bag. And I was afraid to eat it in front of people because maybe other people would be jealous. But now that I see that they are sharing, instead of taking, now I'm starting to figure out what can I fill that basket with? And people just start giving. And it turns out that, that maybe... Maybe Jesus is sparking in people, go and see, how much do you have? Maybe there was more there than they thought there was there. And that as the disciples go to distribute what seemed like not enough was hidden, and that people's hearts were turned from a a scarcity mindset that I got to hoard mine and I can't share it with you, to a generosity to share with those around them, the crowds they don't know. Because anyone in that crowd would have been faced with the same problem of, I can't feed 5,000 people here. i got to hold on to this. And writing on this, this type of, of way of trying to understand what might have happened in this moment since the text doesn't tell us, Barbara Brown Taylor writes that, uh, quote, the problem with miracles is that we tend to get mesmerized by them, focusing on God's responsibility and forgetting our own. Miracles let us off the hook. They appeal to the part of us that is all too happy to let God feed the crowd and save the world and do it all, end quote. I think there's something there. Regardless of what happens in that scene, in that moment, that perspective is definitely true um, all of the time. Whenever we only think, well, God will just miraculously step in and nobody actually steps in to help somebody, sometimes we were the ones called to help. And if we ignore our own responsibility, sometimes the miraculous doesn't happen. And we have to take ownership of that. And when we take a place on the sideline waiting for God, we often neglect our neighbors. And then we get lobbied with 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 critiques and insults that maybe are understandable of, you know, Christians, why are you hypocritical? Why don't you do these things? Why aren't you taking care? You know, if we only just wait for a supernatural response instead of using the hands and the feet that God has created in us and given us in the spirit, uh, we can be a part of God's miraculous kingdom transformation of this earth. Uh, because a crowd going from scarcity to plenty is a mir- miracle no matter what. And I think about our own miracles, right? The blessing box that's outside of our building is not supernaturally filled randomly throughout the week. It might feel that way. You might walk up to it and there's food in there and you didn't put it in there. You're like, that's amazing. It is amazing. It doesn't have to be miraculous only because it just miraculously, supernaturally appeared there. But that people at the store realize, you know what, I'm going to get a few extra things to go fill the blessing box. 
allows us to share with our neighbors, allows somebody who, who knows what they're going through on that day, but to come across plenty, that there was enough there. And it doesn't have to be supernatural for it to be a miracle of God's kingdom on this earth. And, and that's true, not just of the blessing box, it's true of, of whatever it is in our lives that, that there's scarcity. We often want to hide from it, we want to ignore it, we don't want to talk about uh, where there's pressure points in our lives where there's not enough. But when the community of the faithful live uh, with generosity and with sharing with each other, there is miracles all the time. And I want to give you one peek behind the scenes of, of worship here. Uh, you know, it's been, what are we, like four months in maybe to this pandemic. It's, it's been a while. And things don't look exactly the same as they did when we started in this season. And part of that is, you know, speaking to a camera. And, and you know, for several months we were pre-recording and it was just Brentley and I in this space. And one of the things that we're like, it is weird or awkward to do this on camera, is take the camera, like pan it around the room and like Brentley maybe just walking an offering plate with nobody sitting in the building. Like that would be weird for you and that would be weird for us, right? Like passing the offering plate with, with no one in the space is strange. That doesn't mean that the act of giving or, or giving offerings or supporting uh, is any less of worship. It is still miraculous worship and it, it just takes different expressions. And so we want to point out to you that sure, we're not randomly taking you on this kind of tour of an usher of, of taking an offering plate into the space while there's uh, less people in the space. But that doesn't mean that giving is insignificant or less than it was or that it is less a part of worship. It is an opportunity to follow Jesus into sharing with the community. Uh, and it is one that we should always take uh, with, with value and with importance and, and not overlook that uh, it provides a meaningful experience, not just for those who receive the benefits, right? That, you know, when we're able to host a hygiene product pantry uh, when we're able to provide kind of worship experiences and discipleship, you know, there's people who receive that. But the act of sharing and giving is another act of worship, and you're already participating uh, in the blessings of, of God's kingdom. And so let us be reminded um, that Jesus invites us to do inventory. How, what, what do you have? You know, and, and the five loaves of bread and the two fish, the disciples were pretty sure of that answer, did not turn out to be the right answer. Uh, it was the answer for a moment. But truthfully, enough to fill the crowd and enough for 12 baskets of leftovers. And what would our world be like if we individually lived this out, if we as communities lived this out, where instead of wanting to kind of hide what we have and not show what we could offer to the world around us, to our families, our friends, our neighbors? What if we lived this kingdom here and now? You know, I, I read a stat yesterday that was rough. Um, Business Insider shared that um, billionaires in the U.S. increased their wealth during the pandemic by $637 billion. Meanwhile, at least 40 million Americans applied for unemployment. 
We live in a world that does not live out this scene in the, in the Gospel of Mark, right? Like, we don't live in a world where people fill the needs of those around them. And what if we all chose to do the miraculous and to actually live where we cared and supported each other uh, and not just ourselves? And I think sometimes waiting on those with all of the money, waiting on the billionaires is sometimes like waiting on the supernatural miracle instead of doing something about things yourself. You know, like how are we going to support those who are in need here and now? What if we checked our own bags, our own supplies, and offered what we have to those in need? And so I, I began today talking about how God offers us a way to move us from enough to plenty. And that is miraculous, and it starts with each of us. It starts with a yes to where God is inviting you. It starts with loosening the, get, the grips that we have, that when things get scarce, then it feels like there's not enough, we, we tighten up. But what happens when we release? And it's not just, you know, don't hear me as just talking about like our church or our city, but like everybody, like the world needs the kingdom of God's mentality of sharing and generosity. And so uh, might we choose to overthrow the powers of evil, the powers of injustice, the powers of poverty and hunger and greed with each act of sharing? And so starting with just five loaves of bread and two fish, Jesus feeds 5,000 men in that story. And, and I think back about the, this church's story in 1839, less than 20 people started out on something that I'm sure seemed crazy uh, of how are we going to build a church here? What are we going to do? Um, and countless generations of, of, of people being faithful, ministering to our city, uh, influenced the trajectory of, of Jackson. What might happen uh, as each of us say yes? What might happen if we say yes to God who can multiply and make there be not just enough but leftovers and make this world a little bit more like the kingdom of heaven? Would you join me in prayer? God, we, we admit that we are too often in the story just like the disciples and we still haven't quite gotten to living like Jesus. And that's true of, it's true of most of the gospel stories, God. And, and we just ask that you would change our, our, our vision. Help us to, to see like you see the world. Help us to see with compassion that moves us to act where we can't help but want to help those who, who need you in their life, who need, uh, need something to get by to the next day, who need that daily bread that we pray for each week. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be good stewards of all of the beautiful and wonderful blessings and gifts that you have given all of us, Lord. Help us to know how to use them for your purposes and your kingdom and your mission. Lord, we thank you that we have often been the crowd hungry and you have often fed us. Lord, help us to also feed those around us. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.